Hi everyone and welcome to the Product Marketing Live podcast brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Emma Bellardi, I'm a content marketer here at PMA and this week's podcast is sponsored by Product Marketing Core, PMA's very own product marketing certification program with 11 modules, 68 chapters, 87 exam questions, 10 plus hours worth of learning and official PMA certification Product Marketing Core covers the A to Z of product marketing essentials. For more information, head to pmmalliance.co slash pmmc. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. And in this episode, we're joined by Sean Zinsmeister. We'll be discussing the creation of world-class messaging. Sean's the VP of Product Marketing at ThoughtSpot. He's a full-stack product marketer who excels at messaging and positioning. And having caught one of his talks previously, he's a really engaging public speaker. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Uh, So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at ThoughtSpot? Yeah. So uh, I lead product marketing at ThoughtSpot and involved. It's kind of the, I like to think about it as... Uh, you're the the center of you're kind of the sun that everything revolves around as everything comes through product marketing. You know, we get it's it's a it's a hard job, but it's really fun because you get to touch a lot of different departments. Whether it's you know providing strategic messaging for uh, the product team and kind of delivering new products and innovations to market, to working with the sales team to enable them to tell those stories at scale, uh, to working with our campaigns, community, corporate marketing team. Um, really the whole the whole gambit. So we get to touch a lot of stuff and really the the goal is for us to to help tell the story of uh, ThoughtSpot at scale and the value we bring to the market. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about creating messaging. So what, what, in your opinion, is the key to creating messaging that really resonates with biopersonas? Yeah. I, so I, I like a three-part model that I've been thinking about a lot when I, I begin any sort of messaging uh, exercise. And that's really looking at, first of all, clarity, you know, how clear is our message, um, the fidelity, how much it can be repeated. Um, and it, 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 it's looking at also just where can we differentiate as well? So the differentiation I think comes in the creativity. So clarity, fidelity, and creativity is my kind of three, three part model. And to be honest, when (laughs) it's a funny exercise, but like when I work with new product marketers or when I'm kind of working with them on a messaging exercise, I actually always start with a research phase. I want to go see what other companies are doing that might be um, adjacent to my market or maybe what competitors are and really kind of figure out what's out there. Because I think that once you kind of ground yourself in the types of messages and the kind of cornucopia that you can kind of approach things with, then you have a better idea. You know, good artists steal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> and you, and it's okay to borrow. And the best product marketers really know how to take that messaging, shape it to their own value prop um, and deliver it at scale. And the key there then is to then figure out, okay, I've, I've, we've got a creative approach to this. We have a differentiated message, something that no one else can say. That's the exercise. And, and you have to break that down, right? Because it's an exercise where you'll build it up and tear it down a thousand times to be like, could anyone else say this but us, no matter who your company is? Um, and then that's that's truly differentiated. Um, fidelity is the, the, the ability for that message to be repeated. You know, you're going to have to program an entire sales organization, an entire executive team. You know, you want that message to be simple, simple, simple. What's the, 
the adage, you know, if I had more time, I'd write a shorter letter. It's really, <laughs> it's really hard. You have to yeah. take a lot of information absolutely, um, and then really boil it down. And so many times like the exercise we go through is it's totally cool to start with a lot of messaging and then pare down, pare down, pare down, pare down, you know, but at least as you're starting to get something down on the page, you kind of know where you're starting from mm-hmm. um, and then try to just simplify, simplify, simplify. Um, and then, and that's where the clarity comes through. It's like, you need to be able to, you know, we, we sell to a very wide audience, you know, anybody can really buy data and analytics for what we do. And it's really important that the message that the first time somebody sees it is it's very clear. Um, and it's very clear what you do and why you do it. Um, and that's really the way that, that we kind of break it down. And that's the strategy. Great. So in your opinion, how often should product marketers be optimizing the messaging? Hmm. I wish I could tell you that there's a magic formula for that because so much, so much depends. I mean, if you're a very big company, I think that the rules are different than if you're a startup that's constantly spinning the Rubik's cube of messaging, um, where you're launching new products, you're, you know, refactoring a platform or your, your, your go-to-market motion. I think the answer is really, it depends. I think you have to, you really have to look at the alignment and, Look to your go-to-market motion first and your product first. You know, what's changing that's going to force you to um, adjust your messaging accordingly? There's also the executive layer is really important too. I mean, you know, if you're a startup uh, appealing to the investment community, how are you perceived by all of these audiences may force you to look at how you're doing. If you're in the middle of a fundraising round or you're, you know, trying to approach the public markets in an IPO, you may approach your messaging or want to approach your messaging very differently. Mm-hmm. In general, like I think that companies in the startup, mid-market, high growth, every quarter is a good time for kind of a health check on your messaging. The key is, is like, I warn product marketers, it's like, while fast iteration is the name of the game, your messaging is your innovation. You're going to keep constantly testing and iterating. Mm -hmm. You also need to give time for a message to really breathe in the market, to really be saturated, to really try to sink in. Because if you change things too quickly, it's almost just like, you know, completely resetting the game over and over again, when you really feel like the progress of it is unclear. So you have to also be, be careful not to muddy the waters by changing too quickly. Um, now, again, there's exceptions to that rule, and that depends on what's happening in your market and what you have to react to from the things that I described. But, you know, generally speaking, like you want to at least have messaging out there for three, six months um, if you've launched a new product to see really how the message reacts and give it time to sink in. Um, remember, I talked about fidelity being such an important part of messaging. Yeah. It's the repetition, your salespeople repeating it. Um, your marketing people repeating it, people repeating it in casual conversations, your your HR people repeating it to uh, candidates. You know, at th- this is important. It takes time for that to trickle down through the entire organization, especially very large organizations. So that's 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 kind of the 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 rule that that I think. So there's no magic formula, unfortunately, but those are at least some of the guardrails that I think about when when trying to approach how how and when is best to start refreshing messaging. Excellent. So are there any sort of general signs that your messaging might need an overhaul? Um, I think that there are 
the best leading indicator I think is always going to come from your salespeople. Yeah. Um, so get to go back to the beginning, you know, I think that when I joined an organization and I joined a new company, I really try to hone in on who are our most successful salespeople. Why, what are they saying um, that's working, resonating? How are they demoing the product that's working and resonating? What can we steal from them that we could then push into a message uh, at scale? Uh, and and the key there is is cr- that feedback loop. Probably from your most successful salespeople will also tell you what resonates, what doesn't. Is it aligned with how they want to go to market? How are how is your messaging? Um, approaching objections. Are you handling them head on or are you creating new mud in the water and new objections that you didn't think about? I think sales is probably your best. They're on the front lines with your messaging. They'll be the first to tell you what's working uh, and what's not. I think that the other thing is this is where um, competitive intelligence also comes into play, where you're looking at your market Maybe it's a blue ocean market. Maybe it's a red ocean market. Um, you know, regardless, and see like where is the market shifting? Where are the trends going? Um, you know, if you're selling to CIOs, like what's important for them this year that's going to resonate with these companies? Like what are they looking at? What types of things are they looking at for the business? What types of uh, technological innovations are they looking at? Um, so with those trends, those are macro level trends mm-hmm. to say, how do we better align like a puzzle piece, our messaging to what they care about the most? And 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 that's the lock and key model that you you really have to look at. And so if something's not fitting or feels off or listen, uh, the COVID era made everybody change their messaging very, yeah. very quickly. Right, it was mm-hmm. a it was a rapid inter- iteration because all of the projects that people cared about before um, the pandemic really surged last, let's call it, you know, February, March, April of 2020. Uh, I'm sh- those projects went out the window, and then there were new projects and initiatives, and so that's a, a a very obvious example of a macro level shift that says, okay, well, <laughs> what they cared about before, they don't care about anymore. Yeah. Um, so how do we then? you know, restructure our value proposition to then, uh, to, to, to fit with what they're, where they're at. And that's, look, that's the key, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, we called it when the pandemic hit, we called it the made for the moment campaign. Um, and the reason it was made for the moment is not just that we felt like the technology was made for the moment and it had the strength and agility to, to, to help people and businesses in the pandemic with their data. But the biggest thing was like, what moment is your customers in right now? Like, what are they going through? Those are the macro trends. That could be, that could be cultural. It could be uh, a business innovation. It could be a technological revolution. Um, those are the things that you really have to look at and say, how askew or obtuse are we being with our messaging? Does it fit? Um, and, and those are all things that you really have to study and take into effect and be ready to be wrong. You have to be wrong. In fact, like this is something I encourage product marketers as a product marketer, you're going to be wrong a lot. <laughs> That's it's kind of a, it's, it's the fun, it's the fun part of the job. Absolutely. Um, but the key is, is that by being, you know, I had a, a great, great product leader, in one of my companies who really just said, listen, the key is we have to get all the wrong things down on paper. 
Because otherwise, if we don't know our starting place and we're constantly looking at the tabula rasa, we have no idea where to go. Mm -hmm. But at least if we're looking at what's wrong, by knowing what's wrong, we can get to what's right. And that that tangible, obvious exercise um, is something that you you have to be able to be comfortable with, embrace, uh, and and honestly have fun with. It's 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 really the the most fun part of the job, like I said, is to keep spinning that Rubik's cube until you feel like it locks. Absolutely. So on the subject of wrongness, have you ever made any mistakes when sort of putting together your messaging? And if so, did you learn anything from that? (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like every day is a culmination of paper cuts, right? Like I think it's, (laughs) I think I make a lot of little mistakes every single day. it, It really depends on like, what is, what is a big mistake look like? Um, I think it's like, how much permission do you have to be bold and what does being bold mean for you? Mm -hmm. Um, does it mean being more aggressive with your competitors? Um, does it mean, you know, taking a, taking a, 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 a bigger stance? Is it, you know, is it just chest beating or is there actually something that you can, can use for, for such bravado? Um, you know, for my personal career, I think I, have I probably am more conservative when it comes to the way that I product market and how the biggest risks that I actually see, and I'll tell you why I I I think I'm a little bit conservative than maybe <laughs> maybe some people, but you know there's a there's a distance and you can't see my hands right now, but you know if there's kind of like two things that I use to measure, and one is you know where your messaging is in one hand. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be ahead of where your technology is. Yeah. But but the problem is is that if your messaging gets far too far away from the technology, you know, if the technology cannot deliver on the promises that you are making, then you know the gap falls through. It's too big, and that's when problems really start. And you've seen that with a lot of companies. I, I one example that I have is companies over promising on the value of artificial intelligence and AI. You know, it's it's the old expression with what we've seen with AI. It's a, it's deja vu all over again. I mean, we've been through this before. It's the same thing with cloud. Like you know, yeah. we were talking about cloud twenty years ago, and now, but but cloud is like now it's in this brand new framing um, that people care about, and so it's it's a different type of message. But the key is is that product marketing, your job is to sell the future and to excite people about a brighter, better, bolder smarter future right mm-hmm. whatever your whatever your your modifiers are and and that's good because you need to be selling at scale and and especially if you work at a technology company um but even if you work at a services company your job is to really like paint that utopia for them now the key is is that there should be a slight that you need to have that overlap with where your technology or your services or your programs really are today um, it's okay to be a little bit ahead. That's natural in marketing. Um, but I think that if you let it get too far ahead, then people will start to gain disbelief. Um, and that's where you start to see that reflected in things like customer reviews, right? And yep. NPS scores. And that will force you down to another messaging exercise, which is how to combat you know, that type of negativity. So I wish I told you I had like, you know, some magic moments, particularly from my career. But I think that for me, I'm always looking at that steady balance to make sure. And and that's why you have to talk so much with your sales and your product people as well. To really, you have to dig deep 
the key is like, you know, it's like, tell me the truth. The truth, the truth might hurt <laughs> about your product, <laughs> you know, but like, don't let like stunned idealism, like get in the way because the truth is, is like, if you know the granular truth of what the technology or, or services or what your company is capable of, it allows you to shape that message um, accordingly to the market and, and really sort of figure out, okay, where are we allowed to get permission to push the boundaries and, and we're not. So that's, that's the, the model that I think about, about how to avoid uh, those types of mistakes. And it's very tricky. And it's one that you have to keep, you know, it's like riding a bicycle. You lean a little to the left and then lean to the right, but eventually everything's spinning and you're riding straight. Um, and sometimes that's just what the, the entire week looks like for a product marketer, especially in a, in a high growth environment. So how do you make your messaging stand out in a saturated market? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, well, I want to go back, like, you know, we talked about, you know, clarity, fidelity, and creativity. Mm -hmm. I think this is where creativity comes in. Now, what you say is important. The words, how they're differentiated, um, things that words that people have never used before, um, strong language. But the other part of that because it's almost just like once you get past the the word salad is what we call it. <laughs> the, the key is then, you know, I've, I've had the luxury of working with some absolutely incredible um, brand and creative people over uh, the course of my career. The visual storytelling is just as important. Mm -hmm. The visuals, we call the visual vocabulary that goes along with your message, how you're bringing that to life. Um, in a differentiated manner. Look, I, I never thought that, I thought when we originally did our, you know, we've, we've gone through a massive SaaS transformation at BotSpot, super exciting yeah. what we've been able to do in just six months. And I really thought, you know, we've seen every single way that there is to design and talk about, um, you know, analytics in the cloud. And yet, you know, when you tap into, the right types of creative with your messaging, we were able to really come up with something that truly was uh, exotic and different that the world had never seen before. And I think that that's where the visual storytelling comes in. And so when you can make those two things dance together mm -hmm. um, with that type of harmony, you can really stand out. Now, there, are, I'll give you a great example. You know, there's a, you're walking around, well, we don't go, it's kind of, it feels like a, a trite example a little bit, but you know, if, if, if whenever, whenever we can go to a trade shows and events before, yep. you know, it's, it's like, how do you stand out? And I remember at one of my past companies, there was a company whose brand color was yellow and I, it was such a smart choice because it's like you walked into uh, the entire uh, auditorium and like, boom, you could see it. It was loud. It, <laughs> yeah. it was just so, you know, it was great. I thought it was absolutely great. And, and I think that sometimes like people really undervalue or underthink sometimes about the power of visual storytelling. Um, when really like sometimes you don't need loud imagery to tell your story. Other times you can make what seems like a a common message, something that may have been or felt like it's 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 hard to own, it can help you own it because you've branded it in such a way that just makes it stand out. And so I think that that's 
you know, one of the many strategies. And then finally, uh, there's, there's that aspect. And then there's the delivery mechanism. You know, are you delivering your message in a new and exciting way? Um, you know, I, with the plethora of social media applications, new things coming up, you know, text messages and everything else, like how you're reaching people with your message and your visuals in a new and exciting way can also differentiate. I'll give you uh, an example that I think is actually really fun. Um, you know, everybody's doing these uh, cameos right now, right? I don't yeah. know whether it's just because Hollywood is just, you know, hard up for change and we've got a lot of celebrities <laughs> that, aren't making, that aren't making movies, but it's fun. I've seen some incredibly clever work using what's actually a very affordable platform yeah. um, to deliver a different type of storytelling that's fun, it's engaging, um, it's, it's, it's nostalgic, um, as well for some time, you know, for some bringing back some of these celebrities that, you know, I'm a child of the nineties. And so it's like, I, I, I enjoy seeing some of the stuff that's out there right now. Yeah. There's, there's, there's stuff like that. It's not just the, like, you know, how do we market on TikTok? You know, that's yeah. great too. But, um, I think that's why video is, is probably my favorite medium. Um, for people who don't know my background, it's like, I come from a media production background. I was, uh, sound designer for a number of years uh, okay. before I got into marketing. And so like, I've always, you know, I've, I've, I've always kind of been a trained listener and, and when it comes to media production, it's like, there's video and the way that it's probably my most favorite medium because you can just do so many different, uh, things with it. Yeah. And it's such a malleable medium that, and, and such a, an, an incredibly scalable medium that has such inherent virality to it. Yep. Um, but if you get it right, it's just, it's, it's, it's truly magical. Yep. Um, and so those, anyway, so like, those are the things I think about it's, 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 it's not just what you're saying. It's, it's how you're portraying it and the visual backdrop that you're putting on it. Um, it's, and then it's also thinking about a differentiated way of delivering it. Um, and so those, those are the three things, if you can get them in orchestration, um, can be super powerful for standing out in even even the most Red Sea markets. Excellent. So if you were um, a new product marketer, we talked a little bit about how we work with sales in like overhauling messaging and um, kind of going to sales to, to see where you're at um, in the market. But how would you incorporate them into shaping your messaging in the beginning? Yeah. Well, um, there, there are some very tactical things that I can recommend here. Um, when it comes, when it comes to your kind of messaging, well, go back to like you know, great content marketers think about you know the big content rock, you know, and there's always yeah. a big content rock, and then you kind of carve pieces off from that. Mm -hmm. When it comes to your messaging, the uh, the first meeting deck is that content rock. Everything pours out of it. Your website, your social. Everything pours out of it because that's your story. That's your pitch. That's the first time people are going to react to your to who you are, what you do, why you do it, and why you do it differently. And every single time, you know, I think that I've probably gone through you, it's, even at ThoughtSpot, I've probably done three to six different first meeting deck iterations. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just keep that's not that's another one that you just keep you keep spinning it until you get it right. Um, it's really great to say okay, we've gotten the feedback, you know, you, you've done that feedback work. There's some, 
new angle, new initiative, or something that we're hearing that we have to figure out how to scale. And the, and the how to scale part is how do we get every rep uh, singing from the same hymnal as you, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when like having a small committee, starting small, start small. Um, you know, content creation by committee is a disaster in general. I think, you know, if we, what is it, you know, a committee that was in charge of putting together a horse comes up with a camel. Like that's usually <laughs> what that's, I, that's actually usually what ends up happening. That's a great you know? saying. Yeah. Well, you see these like zoom calls with like 10 people and you wonder, it's like, how on earth can you get past the bureaucracy to actually get anything done. Brainstorming is great. Brainstorming is great. Um, I truly believe that the best ideas come from all corners of your business. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I believe that. Um, So not, I never think that product marketing is, is in a vacuum or in a silo, but I do think that, you know, product marketers are paid to think. So give them some think time, go to your select kind of committee. Usually these are your sales leaders. You know, for me, it's my CRO and maybe two other VP of sales. And, you know, I, I do what's called a blue boxing exercise where I, like, I'm not even, I'm focused on the flow of a story, especially in a first meeting deck. I want headlines and I have a general idea, like blue boxes, meaning that, you know, it's, it's a wireframe for a deck. I'm, I'm not concerning with what exactly the visuals are going to turn out to be. I may have a general idea and maybe I have a little description, but I'm focused on going from A to B to C to D and making sure that the story flows, that there's an arc, that the setup makes sense, the payoff is there, and that the next steps and call to action are very clear. Um, you know, or or how do we get to telling our story in a shorter, more crisper, clearer way so we can get to the demo so they can see it come alive, right? If we're in a yeah. B2B context, that might be your that might be your play. Um, and I think that that feedback mechanism can start in a very small select, you know, tiger team. Mm-hmm. And then it's really about um, testing the water, like put it in the water and see if it floats. Give that, give that messaging to a few of your favorite reps um, and see what the reactions is. Um, see, see how they do with it. How, how are they doing it? Start small and then make that the microcosm for, for scaling it out and out and out. I think it's the only way to gain surety. But the truth is, is that, you know, product marketing is going to have a better chance to sell a message at scale if it's got sales leadership behind it. And that's just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think I'm spoiled, especially at ThoughtSpot, because I think I have one of the greatest sales teams in the world. And I've just never, I've never had so much fun uh, working with a team. And so there's a really, there's, there's, there's a magnitude of trust that I think is super unique Um, but, but the truth is, is that like, you know, you need that feedback mechanism to like what's working and, you know, they may have a line, uh, that has worked super well or an allegory that has worked super well, or some, uh, some, you know, anecdote or customer story. That's just killer, uh, that we need to get everybody trained up on. And that's just, you only get that from that small group. And so that first meeting deck is going to be where all that good work goes into, It'll be hard. It'll be frustrating. You'll do it probably a thousand times. But once you get it right and you've got that, like, I don't know, five to eight slides, whatever, you know, less than 10, you know, there's <laughs> less than 10. That's just, you know, um, once you get that, 
then you're like, okay, now how do I spread this messaging throughout a content strategy, like on the website, or what do I need to take here and blow this up into different assets so I can run demand gen? Um, it, it just all pours out from that. And so that's, that's when I say like, there's a very tactical way to start with this. And it all starts with, um, with your deck. The other one is I believe that all good product marketers come equipped with a really good deck and a really good demo. And mm -hmm. so like, if you can put those two things together, the demo storytelling, um, I'll tell you how I do it. I, number one, I pick companies that I know I can have a lot of fun naturally with their product. Yeah. There's some, there's something like you have to be authentic. I find storytelling when you're with a glazed inauthenticity is just too hard to do. I can't fake fun, or at least I can't do it very well. Maybe you can, but I can't. Absolutely like, not. <laughs> it's just hard. Well, yeah. and I also, you know, and I don't know whether this is to, I throw in more things about my background, but like I, I was a music major and I've done performing arts for, you know, 12 to 15 years prior to, you know, entering the business world up yeah. into university. And uh, being on stage, you learn a few things. It's like, if the audience is having fun, if you're having fun, the audience is having fun. Um, and that's, that is just like, so key, like fun is infectious mm -hmm. uh, just is. And like, if it, it, the same thing goes like when you're demoing a product, like if you can show them that you're excited, genuinely excited, um, about what you're doing, they will absolutely come along on, on your journey. Um, absolutely. And the way that I've gotten there is, uh, you know, there are great tools out there for making this easy to study, like Gong and, you know, Zoom recordings and things like that. But uh, shadowing, you know, your best, who who are your best salespeople? I think that I formed at ThoughtSpot, I formed my style of demoing by stealing what I liked from um, a lot of my mentors. And I just followed some of the, the best ones that, you know, and I, I figured out what did they do well? Um, and then what could I do to personalize that stuff? Um, and then when I train others, you know, I, I go back to, uh, what they used to tell me about uh, classical music composition, right? This is, this is my background where it's like, you start with super, you cannot break these rules when you're writing music, you must master them. You cannot yeah. break them, but the mastery in the art comes that once you have gotten them down, the creative spirit is allowed to break through, then you can break them. Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's when it comes through. But first you have to start with, you know, highly scripted, highly structured, and then you can kind of go off-roading um, with some of this. But I go back to my, my mantra, like great artists steal. It's not plagiarism. Yeah. Um, I think it's too easy to, to paint that expression um, in a negative light. But what I believe is, especially if you're trying to ramp quickly, your job is to start like be a chameleon and figure out how you can emulate what's working mm -hmm. um, and, and who's really good at it and what they do well and the style that they do it, the personality that they bring. Um, you really have to put your research hat on. And, you know, I think once you are able to do that, that's, that's your, that's your deck and your demo. Like you get a, you're, you're able to deliver a pitch solidly um, and then you're really able to bring it to life with your product. And I think you make those two things um, come to life. And it, it's just a absolute great infrastructure for success for any product marketer. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a really great note to kind of finish up on. I want to thank you so much for coming. I got so much out of that and I know that our listeners will too. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm always happy to connect with the members of the PMA community, whether it's on the Slack channel or being a being a Zinsmeister. I'm blessed with pretty easy SEO, so you can just Google me, <laughs> and I'm pretty I'm pretty easy to find. But I'm I'm happy to connect with any product marketer within the community. Um, you know, if I can be helpful to you, your career, or hey, if you got if you have advice for me, like I'm I I love feedback. It's the only way that we get. It's the only way that we get better. <laughs> Um, so looking forward to connecting further. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean. Absolutely. Thank you. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.